Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg as always, and today we have three stories we're going to be talking about. The first one is that uh, we're going to start talking about the Metal Gear Solid movie, uh, which is moving along apparently after many, many years of just nothing happening. We're going to talk about Nintendo filing lawsuits and shutting down some of the two of the largest ROM distribution websites in the United States. And then lastly, we're going to finish up with a little bit of a follow-up to a story we did quite a few months ago uh, about the YouTube channel GameRanks. And in that video, uh, GameRanks had stolen uh, content from a small YouTube creator, and we covered it. And um, <clears throat> unfortunately, they seem to be back at it again. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, you know, and so I, I don't know. It just seems like one of those things that... Uh, you know, after making these horrific apologies for, you think that they would be able to move on and that they would uh, not do that anymore. But unfortunately, Game Ranks, uh, it seems to be back at it, or maybe they're doing it a little more subtly this time. And it kind of, you know, is their thing, I guess, you know, when they're hurting for content. I think that's literally what they do is they kind of look for content all over the internet and then they find what they can uh, rip off. Uh, but to begin... Like I said, we want to talk about the Metal Gear Solid movie. So recently, the uh, the Metal Gear movie, uh, which originally was announced by Hideo Kojima in like 2006 at E3. And I remember that announcement. And I remember thinking, oh my god, this is going to be great. I, if you don't know, if you're new to this, uh, I am an incredible Metal Gear Solid fan. Uh, you can't see it, but on my wall here I've got almost all the Play Arts figures, I collect everything Metal Gear, I've got all the consoles, like the import uh, 3DS Snake Skin, I've got the import Twin Snakes GameCube, um, I've got the import PS4 for Phantom Pain, I've got it all. Uh, I, I also collect multiple collector's editions, and, and I try to collect every version of the game, I have demo discs, I have magazine covers, things like that. Metal Gear is my favorite franchise, so it is... Without a doubt, just it is my thing. It is what I love. Uh, I've loved every game, uh, even some of the offshoots. I still find joy in them. You know, it's really great. So this was a big deal for me. And, and in 2006, they originally announced it. And then it just seemed to go to radio silence forever. And so I guess we all thought, okay, well, it, I guess it's not being happened. That happens a lot in Hollywood. You know, an idea gets pitched. There's some, there's some hype. And then it just fizzles away and it's gone. And obviously, as we know, over the years... They kept churning out Metal Gear games, and now they've gotten back to, you know, Kojima is no longer with Konami. He was the big guy behind Metal Gear, so you almost would wonder if if ever the movie was as far away from possible being made as it ever would be. And that doesn't appear to be true. So, uh, apparently in 2014, this director, uh, his name is Jordan Vogt-Roberts, his most recent movie was Kong Skull Island, which i would be honest, was actually a pretty good movie. I, I liked that. Um, I'm not a huge King Kong guy, but I thought that movie fit really well, and I thought it was well done and, and obviously well directed, and it was very good. It's actually only his second movie, and he's a really young director. He's, I think, like 33 or 34 years old or something, so it's cool. Now, why does his age factor in? Well, it factors in because he grew up playing video games like we did like who I assume most of the people watching this did. And so he grew up, I mean, he talks about a story where he played the original Metal Gear Solid when he was like in seventh grade. So he has a love and an appreciation for this series. So apparently in 2014, he like negotiated with Sony to write a script for a Metal Gear movie. And as of Comic-Con, so at San Diego Comic-Con, uh, he sat down with IGN and talked to them a little bit about it. As of that, they have just turned in their script for a Metal Gear Solid movie to Sony. Now, even he's the first to admit, um, 
Jordan is the first to admit that once you send a script off, they're going to send it back and it bounces back a long time before you get anywhere close to green lighting a movie, setting a schedule, casting, all that sort of stuff. But it was funny because he uh, over the last month or so, he's been doing this 31 days of Metal Gear concept art as to go along with the 31 an- 31st anniversary of Metal Gear. And so very strange that, you know, it seems to be further along. Now, that could again be him pushing the hype train a little bit in an effort to help get the movie made. Um, however, you know, and so over the last couple of days, because of San Diego Comic-Con, where he sat down, it's been all over the blogs and everyone's been talking about this Metal Gear Solid movie. I'm going to be honest. My first impression was not good. In fact, I was really worried about it. I, I feel like no matter what, especially with Kojima not there, not helping oversee anything at all, it's probably going to be pretty terrible. I'm just going to be honest. Like that That's what I thought. That was my first impression. However, I now have to say, I watched two interviews, two two live interviews with Jordan Vogt-Roberts uh, done with IGN. And I got to say my hype level could not be higher than it ever was for this movie. And I hate to do that, right? Because as I get hyped up for things, you set yourself up for massive disappointment, right? Uh, But this one, I think, could really be decent. And part of the reason I say that is because of the director. So him and someone else, he he co-wrote the script with someone else. So one, he's in charge of the story. He's trying to conceptualize what this movie's going to look like. And he's going to be the director. So those two things means he's got a lot of control over it which is very important, especially from someone who not only has played all of the Metal Gear games, but seems to have a real appreciation for it. Like listening to the interview, there were times when he made, you know, he was showing some concept art, for instance, and he shows this concept art with Gray Fox as the cyborg ninja and like Solid Snake. And so, you know, he shows that and he goes, you know, you've got this, this great image with, uh, you know, with cyborg ninja or, you know, Gray Fox or Null, whatever you want to call him. And I was like, okay, I mean, that is so obscure to call Gray Fox Null because it's from arguably one of the worst Metal Gear games and Metal Gear Solid Portable Ops. But just the fact that he knows that who Null is and how Null is connected and who Gray Fox is and how it's, you know, he didn't come in and say, well, you've got this this cybernetic ninja who's cool and, and then you've got the, the hardened spy who's used to be best friends with them. Like, it's not generic like that. Like, he, he seems to know the characters, you know, and, and I don't think there's anything that could make me more excited you know, than having a director who actually understands the source material and cares. Um, and, and there was so much more. And I, I, I thought about playing the interview live and listening to it and talking while it was going on, but I don't want to do that. I want you guys to kind of check it out on your own. Um, because it's also hard to do that with just the podcast, not just the video side of it, but with the podcast side, not really getting the full, uh, understanding of it. But there were a few quotes that, that he had, Um, Because one of the main questions he was asked about the plot or the script was, what game is this going to be based off of? And and I think that's a very fair question. Uh, In my opinion, you really should start this game with Metal Gear Solid 1. I think it's a fair starting point. You could certainly do Metal Gear, but it's kind of a generic story. Like, you'd have to really do a lot of filler, and I think it wouldn't wouldn't land. So Metal Gear Solid, you've already got a a history and a mythos there that you can kind of draw back to, right? So that's what I would do. Right, if I was a big Hollywood uh, filmmaker, which is why I want to win the lottery, so I can just like fund one like a Metal Gear movie, like just just give it to me. Um, but so he he was asked about that, and 
he, here's what he said, quote, we're not exactly adapting something verbatim as this game, but we're also not just going to throw it out in a crazy dark tower way that it completely disregards why fans love the thing. So a cheap little shot at, <laughs> at uh, dark tower. Um, he said that Kojima even encouraged him to branch out. Now, before I finish this quote, I'm going to say that he, he apparently his first movie was never officially released in Japan. And so uh, Hideo Kojima actually wrote some of the uh, helped with some of the movie when it was like being released or, or let um, like helped to DVD release in Japan or something like that. I forget the whole story that he told there, but he he's basically going on about how he, he met and spoke with Hideo Kojima. And so imagine that, right? So imagine me, if all of a sudden I was a film director and then I was making a movie based off of Kojima and Kojima's trying to like telling me things i would just be in, in surreal knowing that like this guy inspired me to do some of the things that i've done and he he's such a huge part of like what i find interesting in video games and why i'm inspired so much by video games and so he he goes on to finish by saying kojima even encouraged me to branch out literally telling me quote do what i would do and betray your audience <laughs> end quote so that's like harsh to read right because when you first see that you're like wait a minute what's kojima talking about is he like is he really talking about doing things that your audience wouldn't want uh and i don't think that's it i read something like that and i feel like part of that i think is lost in translation but i really do believe that if you that he's saying that if you know the only people who would watch a metal gear movie are metal gear solid game fans you can't just cater to them you, and and you have to you have to show them more than they know that they want. And I, I'm always reminded of this quote uh, from Vince McMahon talking about wrestling in WWE many, many years ago. And he said, you don't give the fans what you what they want. You give the fans what they think they want. <laughs> and um, or excuse me, I think the quote was don't give the fans what they think they want. Give them what they actually want. You know, like you can't just have your favorite your favorite wrestler winning all the time. You know, that's what you think you want. But what fun is that if he doesn't have some hardship to overcome? If he doesn't lose every now and then, he needs that to be to make the win more effective, right? And so I think this was something similar to that is, you know, you have to, you have to, you know, you'll make something for them as long as you're not just trying so hard to make it for them, you know? And, and, and so it was really good. But, uh, and then Vote Roberts goes on to say, quote, it was a very Kojima-san thing to say. And he explained that his own goals for adaptation were, quote, my goal really is to try and translate what the fans want and expect and to really take the unwieldy, amazing, decade-spanning timeline and have a way to make part of that make sense as a film. All I can say is I'm proud and excited. I think that We Adapted It is the most Kojima-san way to adapt this thing, and the script is one of the coolest things I've ever read, particularly the way that we're dealing with time periods and the scope of it is one of the things that I look at in the script and say, I've never done that before, end quote. So part of his interview, he starts talking about, he, he talks about how they can't really pick one movie because they want to branch multiple timelines. So what that tells me is you're going to have a very, because he talks about how the game's message is very cyclical, like everything happens again and again, and, and you're stuck in these loops until you break out of it. And so I could see basically the big boss story from Metal Gear Solid and the Solid Snake story, you know, like essentially being almost flashbacks of each other, uh, where you're seeing like almost like a Star Wars movie where there's three plots going on at one time. You'd have a movie where you almost have two movies going on at the same time. One is the Metal Gear Solid and one is like Metal Gear Solid 3's, um, you know, big boss's origin story. 
And, you know, at first you, you, you hear that and you think about that and you think, how is that going to translate well to a movie? Because we're so used to this, you know, three act, you know, format of a lot of movies. And, you know, it is hard to break out of that um, and to still make a good movie that's interesting. But it has been done. And, you know, to have someone who's love and passionate for video games, who, who thinks outside the box as a director, I think it's possible. And I think it could be very, very good. I also think it could be very, very bad. Also, because if you're only making one Metal Gear movie, you're going to try to jam in all of Metal Gear Solid 3 and Metal Gear Solid into like one movie. That's tough to do. Um, Also, I think it'd be very tough to throw in a Metal Gear Solid 2 (laughs) movie and try to like figure that all out. So Metal Gear Solid 1 to me is always kind of the most like well polished and well finished movie. You have plenty of history to go back into and check out, but you also could end it after that movie and be like, okay, he's done. You know, you don't have to necessarily push it forward. But it was really, really awesome to hear somebody so passionate about video games being a movie director and him wanting to make this movie. And all directors and actors seemingly have passion projects, and oftentimes people don't get to see them through. I'm really hope I'm really, really hoping this one does. This one, I mean Oh man, I, I just, I want it, you know, and I was, I I was all ready to never accept it and never want it. And after listening to his interviews, it was so good. And like, I'll totally be down for anything this guy makes because he, like, he, he understands like he's our generation, you know, he's not, he's not like a a 90 year old guy still making like horror movies from the eighties, you know, in his style, like he's talking to us as, uh, you know, as video game fans and as of movie fans. And I, I think it'd be really awesome. Um, now one neat little piece they talked about in one of the pieces of concept art was it actually showed like it was from Elgar Solid 4 uh and it it showed like big uh it showed a solid snake like behind a car with a gecko kind of over there and the face of solid snake is looks just like Christian Bale <laughs> and so he he the first thing he said when they showed the art was hey look I want to squash all rumors right now. There's no talks with Christian Bale to be in this movie. He's not cast as Solid Snake. We're just telling you that, you know, when a concept artist comes up with a concept, oftentimes they'll draw a face. They'll take a face from somewhere else and kind of add it. So that's what he wanted to make very, very clear, which is sad because I'm actually going to bring this up here, um, which is sad because this is a really cool piece see if we can get a, a decent sized picture so you kind of see here like that's <laughs> christian bale's face now if you also look at this concept art uh it's almost got more of big boss's facial hair uh and a little less of solid snake and obviously there's the, the gray is gone so it's not just the mustache and 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 gray hair it, it's it's merging some concepts together and some of this concept art is really really cool um i wonder if i can find any more of just the concept art but uh this one's definitely cool uh but here he says right here is a quote this artwork is in no way indicative of casting said vote roberts it is a very common practice in creating keyframes for the artist to take inspiration from contemporary actors the casting process of the film has not begun we're purely focused on creating the best script possible while i have many ideas of the best way to bring these iconic characters to life this art is not a window into that process i hope you enjoy and keep the following 31 days of metal gear artwork (laughs) so he just wants to make it very clear that uh uh, he's want to make it very, very clear that that is not Christian Bale is not going to be Solid Snake. Not that he couldn't be, just that they haven't made that decision yet. And so then the wheels get turning, right? And you're like, well, who, you know, who could play 
these characters. Um, you know, instantly come to mind uh, for like Solid Snake, um, Josh Brolin. You know, I think he 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 could get there. Um, I actually, you know, thinking about Christian Bale, I could see it. You know, let him get a little scruff on, you know, and and get there. I could totally see that. Um, and and in some magical dream world, if possible, you know, I could see David Hayter. You know, I mean, he's the voice. He has the voice. Um, he's not. He doesn't do a lot of acting anymore, and uh, he's mostly writing and 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 things and directing and things. But you know, he's the iconic voice, and if he could get into shape and he could do it, I could see him pulling it off. I could see them getting there with it. Uh, and I don't know if that would be good for the longevity of the movie to the general public, but as a Metal Gear fan, I don't know how you wouldn't just just gush over that. And uh, or even Metal Gear Solid Five, you know, replace David Hayter's voice actor with Kiefer Sutherland, and you could see him doing that role as well. But again, what would I like to see? I mean, man, again, in a perfect world, you know, uh, I'm really digging Josh Brolin. I mean, Tom Hardy, maybe like some of these people definitely could pull it off um, and and it would be fine, you know, as long as they get that growly sort of, you know, that that roughness with a little bit of the charm and a little bit of the humor that uh, that uh, Solid Snake has. Um, and then, you know, you think about other things, you know, Liquid Snake. I, I mean, I couldn't even begin to go down this list uh, and I should have probably before I started the podcast, I could have gone down the list, but um, yeah, I just don't really, I, I, I almost want to be surprised by it. You know, I, I want to be, I want to be shocked when I hear the announcements and, uh, and so I'm not going to go too far. Maybe that's something I'll do on another podcast. I'll, I'll start to reach a little bit, but it was, uh, you know, when you first hear about these things, you just really, you, you get nervous, you know, like many movies I've seen of things that I, I love books and games are just garbage and, and, if any movie has any chance to succeed, it's going to be this one. You you don't, you know, you're tacking on a legitimate fan of this series who wrote the script and is directing the movie and has met the original creator of Metal Gear. I mean, it's all there. So there's infinite reasons why it could be successful, which is a little bit more than there are reasons it could fail miserably. <laughs> um, and he did go on then, they, they've asked a follow-up because he apparently has ideas for two other games he'd like to take on one day, maybe in Metroid and the Legend of Zelda. So, uh, in continuing on with his IGN videos, he shared his vision, his vision, excuse me, for a Zelda film. And, uh, so here's what he said, quote, it's not Lord of the Rings. It's important not to forget how quirky and bizarre the series is. Uh, and then he starts talking about how he thinks they should fuse the old fantasy type of Ocarina of Time and Link to the Past with the newer technological sort of angle of Breath of the Wild and where you have like the um, the Sheikah slates and stuff like that. So, you know, somehow mixing in like this weird future fantasy kind of hybrid. Uh, and then he also goes on to say that he would make it was up to him. He would make the he would make Link a silent protagonist in the movie. He would not have him speak. It would just, you know, it would be a story where he's a silent hero. Now, again, how does that work out in a movie? Who the hell knows? <laughs> would it be any good? I, I don't know. Uh, Legend of Zelda is a weird one for me because, and I know it's going to sound, and this might give me some flack from you guys, but I mean, Legend of Zelda, I don't ever think had a super strong story. It's always been the most basic of storytelling kind of tropes where it's, you know, you've got the bad guy, you've got the world you have to save. And I'm not saying that it's super simple. I'm just saying it's not, you know, it's not a complex web woven like the Metal Gear universe is. And it's fact, it's something I talk about often is it's one of my biggest disappointments. I think in gaming is that somehow if the legend of Zelda could have had a 
just some sort of timeline that all worked together. And I understand that there's this Hyrule Historia book that shows a timeline. And I've seen people do like the, oh, well, this timeline is if this happens and this is if this happened. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, Metal Gear has 30 years of games that have all built this incredible universe that's all connected. And if Legend of Zelda could have somehow done that, you know, maybe the hero of time exists out of time. And, and so he's constantly traversing to different you know, different worlds where he is then the savior of that world. But it never was like that. You know, they, from the beginning, they've always said that they wanted the Legend of Zelda games to pretty much be independent of each other with the exception of a few sequels like Zelda 1 and 2 and then, um, you know, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. So, like, for the most part, though, they built every Zelda game as its own independent sort of coming of age you know, hero story. And, and they're very good for that. And I love the Legend of Zelda games, but to try to argue that there's some sort of continuity between them all is just, just don't bother, you know, like don't, don't, don't hurt your brain trying to like rack this all up and to try to understand it. So next we're going to talk a little bit about, let me close out some windows here. We're going to talk a little about Nintendo and them filing lawsuits against emulator sites. So, uh, this was a legit lawsuit. We have the PDF here, which is the uh, the actual uh, lawsuit that was filed. This is really cool, by the way. Really interesting stuff. It looks really boring. I promise you it, it is, but it's still some interesting stuff in here. Uh, and it was for two of the largest, apparently, websites, which is Love Retro and Love Roms. Uh, Love Roms LoveRetro.co and LoveRoms.com. Uh, they're apparently based in Arizona. Uh, this, sorry, this PDF is hard to look through. So the, uh, the, uh, defendants, let's see in this case are Jacob Matthias and Matthias Designs LLC. So that's a little interesting because one, it's not just the company. He's, they're going after the person who like owns the company as well. Uh, and here's their preliminary statement on plaintiff Nintendo of America by and through its counsel on personal knowledge as to its own actions and information and belief as to the actions, capabilities, statuses, and motivations of others hereby alleges the follows. Uh, and I'm not going to read this whole thing, but they're basically saying that they run and operate two interrelated websites, loveroms.com and loveretro.co. They are built almost entirely on the brazen and mass scale infringement of Nintendo's intellectual property rights. The Love Roms and Love Retro websites are among the most open and notorious online uh, hubs for pirated video games. Through the Love Roms and Love Retro website, defendants reproduce, distribute, publicly perform, and display a staggering number of unauthorized copies of Nintendo's video games, all without Nintendo's permission. This includes thousands of games developed for nearly every video game system Nintendo has ever produced. In addition to Nintendo's video games, defendants reproduce, distribute, and publicly perform a vast library of Nintendo's other copyrighted works on and through the Love Roms and Love Retro website, including the proprietary BIO software for several of Nintendo, Nintendo's video game systems and thousands of Nintendo's copyrighted musical works and audio recordings. Defendants also make extensive use of Nintendo's registered trademarks, including the Nintendo logo and most recognizable Nintendo video game characters to encourage visitors to download and play unauthorized copies of Nintendo's copyright works. Uh, so this is the, the start of it, um, which I, I'm, I'm going to kind of explain the lawsuit and talk about the facts first, and then I'm going to get into not only how I feel about ROMs and ROM websites, but how I feel about Nintendo doing this and taking action against them. So... It's, uh, we have 
so the facts are these two are apparently two of the biggest ROM websites. They receive almost 17 million visitors each month. So what they're saying is there is a ton of uh, revenue through donations and through advertising that these websites make. And they're making all of that money because of Nintendo's intellectual property. Um, so in the beginning, the, the first response so here, here's what it goes. Um, quote, the Love ROMs website alone receives 17 million visitors each month. Such visitors are drawn to the website by the widespread availability of free unauthorized copies of Nintendo's video games and other highly valuable intellectual property. The resulting popularity of defendants Love ROMs and Love Retro websites has allowed defendants to reap substantial ill-gotten gains, including through donations and the sale of advertising on the Love ROMs and Love Retro website. Ill-gotten gains. So <laughs> uh, money made through... Uh, non-legal means is what uh, what that means um so at first what they did was they removed all the nintendo games from love roms and loveretro.co had actually been turned off as of this morning love roms is also shut down so love roms and uh love retro both shut down uh not just removing the nintendo stuff completely offline as of this moment um uh, however, the lawsuit, and this is what gets a little mental. This is what uh, this is what the statutory damages that Nintendo is claiming: uh, U.S. dollars, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for each Nintendo game hosted on the sites, and up to two million for each trademark infringement, as well as a handover of the domain names and the sources of their ROMs. So that's interesting little piece. So uh, the sources of their ROMs, talking about are they hosted locally or are they hosted on another site? Or where they got the ROMs from. So could you imagine if, say, you were you dumped prototype ROMs, you dumped some other sort of ROM, and they had to release the info of who gave them that? You yourself might be liable for that as well. So there's like they're they're making some interesting points here. Um, but uh, uh, and then of course uh, everyone always brings up, and I think it's a fair point. But uh, the version of Super Mario Brothers that went on sale on Nintendo's Virtual Console was actually found to be a ROM that someone at Nintendo had downloaded off the internet. Now, we don't know that they got off the internet necessarily, but someone was looking at the, the coding for it, and it had to do with how an emulator loads that ROM, and it was a specific line of code that was written to uh, specifically boot that ROM. So there was no way that that game was built from scratch with Nintendo's code it was actually pulled from somewhere else that had already been floating around so it is you know um it's uh it was a weird story so so that's the facts okay so we got nintendo suing and shutting down two of these huge emulation sites now first about how i feel about emulation in general and roms i absolutely love emulation i think it is so cool to be able to play these old games um and to have a way to keep them alive <clears throat> excuse me and a lot of the times you know emulation i mean emulation has been around for a very long time and so back when there wasn't anything like the wii u virtual console and nintendo wasn't making money off of nintendo and super nintendo games anymore you know there was this time where if you wanted to play old games like that you really couldn't find them or if you did you were finding them at yard sales pawn shops used video game stores stuff like that and if you did find them I mean, that money wasn't going to Nintendo anyway, you know, so it's not like you were hurting them by buying the used games. So there was a different time where you could, you know, play any game you wanted to. You could, you know, and this was, you know, early, like I'm talking, I was downloading these and, <clears throat> you know, within the first five to 10 years of using the internet. So this is, this is nineties, you know, late nineties, you're getting these emulators running and it's so cool, you know, and you're like, oh, I can play old Nintendo stuff <clears throat> that, uh, you know, I can't get anywhere else basically. 
Um, but times have obviously changed. And uh, Nintendo offers, you know, through the Wii and the Wii U, they had their virtual console, which was um, a service where you could pay, I think it was $6 per NES game, 5 or $6, and it was 10 for Super or 8 for Super and 12 for N64, whatever the pricing structure was. <clears throat> and you bought each game individually. And so they they took that idea but opened it back up to the masses and i was okay with that too and actually i was a big fan of the virtual console in the early days i didn't like how they only released like one or two games a week but otherwise i really loved the idea of it you know if i have an opportunity to legally obtain these roms and play them for a decent fee that's also convenient for me to do i will do that um look at what itunes did with music piracy you know itunes made a service that was cheap easy you can buy any song you want off the album for cheap um, you know, like they, they made it user friendly and accessible and you see piracy goes down when it's easy and affordable to access the stuff that you actually want. So like if Nintendo had a website and I could buy every virtual game for a dollar a piece, I would probably buy them all, even though I've already have them all. Uh, and I, I own a lot of them physically, um, but just to have them, but to have them in a legal way. So in, in, even though a few months ago, Nintendo announced that the virtual console is essentially dead on the switch. They are releasing their Nintendo online service, which is going to include having access to some of these games online. So there is going to be this kind of virtual arcade or whatever they're going to call it, where you can play the old Nintendo games and they're actually updating them to have online multiplayer like Dr. Mario and stuff like that. So there's like 20 NES games you can be able to play for free as part of the online service. Now, eventually, is Nintendo going to add more games totally for free or are they going to start adding games you know where you can buy them to add them to your subscription i'm not sure in fact nobody knows and that's what's kind of frustrating about it but i'm a huge fan of emulators and, and roms and i think it's great i also think it's really fun when you can play like old arcade games and stuff like that you can play the simpsons arcade game which never came out on any console except like the commodore 64 and which isn't really a console uh and you know you could play you could play the X-Men arcade game that for a long time hadn't been out until they finally, you know, released it and stuff like that. You know, Alien vs. Predator, the arcade game, um, all these good fighters that never came out in the U.S., you know, all these Mark of the Wolves games and Fatal Fury games that we never got. So it's it's not like all of emulation is hurting and it's all terrible piracy. Um, in fact, there's a lot of people who like to do it just kind of for the fun of it. Now, that doesn't say that there aren't people who take it maybe too far and do abuse the system. For instance, I've had customers when I worked at GameStop, I had a customer who once he got his R4 card for his DS, which if you don't know, a DS R4 card basically lets you put ROMs onto a DS card and just load them off of a DS so you don't need to buy games anymore. And he straight up used to pre-order almost every DS game that came out. And he, as soon as he got that, he stopped buying games. Well, I don't need to buy them. I can get them for free. Like that's what, that's literally what he said. And so it, it was terrible. And that's, that's, that's awful, especially for a system that was still new and coming out. Nintendo needs that to like make revenue and to make money. So that's, that's worse almost than going after and downloading some old Nintendo games. Right. But you know, so there are people that take it too far. I know people that got the NES classic, hacked it with every NES ROM on it and then stopped buying NES games for their collection. And they were hundreds of games into getting a complete collection. So that's also strange to me. Like, obviously, yes, it's more convenient to have a little box in the palm of your hand, play all the games that take up essentially an entire room. But that was weird to me. Like, I'm not like that. You know, even though I love ROMs, it would buying a ROM or not buying, excuse me, getting a ROM would never prevent me from buying a game. I mean, that just 
that I don't know, like that seems weird to me that, that you know, that the people feel away again, no problem. If that's what they're into, no problem. And in fact, uh, the gentleman who had the NES classic, I talked to him the other day and now he's collecting switch die hard. So he's buying all of Nintendo's new games when they come out. So he's not hurting Nintendo. He's helping. I mean, he has, he's found a way to support them. I guess what I'm trying to say. So the, the ROM thing is, it's a really tough issue because there are people that take advantage of it. And then there's people who just kind of do it for fun and for free, you know, and they just kind of want to try out some stuff. And I do believe that a lot of this stuff leads people to want to play it legitimately you know so like like if you buy if you if you buy an nes classic which is essentially a bunch of roms on a, on a raspberry pi packed into a little nes case when you buy that though that will inspire you sometimes to want to get the rest and if it opens you up to nintendo products maybe you say hey you know i bought a nes classic and now the switch looks pretty cool because i'm buying nintendo stuff again it, it reintroduces you to their brands you know um however on the flip side of that there's two parts to this next side is that one, Nintendo has to protect their properties. If Nintendo doesn't do stuff like this and doesn't ever protect them, when a time comes where they have a big lawsuit they want to fight, those defendants can actually use like the inaction of Nintendo against them. So they could say, well, you know, for 10 years, they've known that this other site out here existed and they didn't do anything about it. So why are they stopping us now? It must be a prejudice or a grudge against us. And they can do that. And then, you know, a judge would say, yeah, how come you didn't uh, file that before Nintendo? And Nintendo could say, well, you know, the other site, we didn't, we didn't care about it then. We care about it now. It, it, it that doesn't work. You know, you have to set precedent. It's often why, uh, you know, a lot of lawsuits happen, including uh, Bethesda when they were, when they were um, suing, mojang over the word scrolls in their game um because they needed to protect their ip from future assaults against it not necessarily that scrolls was they need to have it on record basically that they were willing to fight over their name you know essentially and, and it, it does sound stupid yes they're really overly complicated yes but it is how it goes so it's what makes sense so i understand nintendo having to protect their property and they should i have no problem with nintendo going after these websites um now as i was referring to with apple earlier I would like to see Nintendo be a little bit better about distributing these things to us as customers so we can buy them. Like, I would love to buy any any number of games in the Nintendo library. I would love to, but I don't have that option to buy everything I want right now. And so it's, it's a little, uh, you know, irritating to me that I can't get it through legitimate means. So, and then I can't get it through illegitimate means because Nintendo wants to protect a property that they're not willing to you know, like let, let it become monetized. They're so worried about protecting their profits, but they don't allow us to give them money for them to profit off of it. If you know what I mean? And so I totally understand where Nintendo's coming from. I wish they would do a better job at distributing this stuff to us because I want it. I want to pay for it. I have no problem. All my music I buy now through iTunes. I have no problem with that. I would buy all my games through Nintendo if I could at an affordable price that was easy you know part of my issue with nintendo's digital service and the virtual console back in the day was that nintendo never had an easy way to do it and nothing carried over if you bought games on your wii they didn't carry over to your wii u they were offering deals like well if you buy it again we'll give you a big discount if you already own it on the wii that is total garbage you should have an account set up where if i've bought this game digitally through a nintendo device i can play it on any of my nintendo devices that support it that that is how you do this not not buying it and it's specifically locked to that system the original virtual console on the wii if you wanted to it basically stored your download history so say someone sold me a wii that they had downloaded tons of games on even though it's not connected to any specific account i could go back into that wii and re-download all those games 
even though I'm not the original per person who bought them. If their Wii breaks and they have to call Nintendo and say, hey, I have a new Wii, you need to transfer the licenses from all those games over to my new Wii because I can't re-download them since I don't have an account with an account history, which is something Sony's done on PS3, my Xbox did on, on 360, Microsoft did on the Xbox 360, and, and how Nintendo is still behind this is mental to me. And I love Nintendo, I love my Switch, but how are they not to this point where we're gonna, I mean, and they're getting there, obviously. They have, you know, Nintendo accounts now, and they're, they're getting there, but back in the day, you know, it was, they just handled it so poorly, you know, and, and just not, not well, and I don't like it. And when it's so, when it's not easy to get this stuff, of course, you're gonna push people to piracy. You know, people buy legitimate copies of PC games, that have this nasty DRM in them. So they've bought the game and then they download like these hack tools that, you know, an, like a modder would use to illegally play the game. But this is someone who legitimately bought the game, had to do it just to make the game playable. You know, so sometimes you put your customers through the ringer and you wonder why more people aren't adapting because it's too difficult and it's too much of a pain in the butt. So that's the first thing. Um, and I also will say, I'm not a fan of these sites making money though either. I completely agree that Love Retro and Love Roms should not have been making substantial amounts of money. I mean, if they're getting 17 million, 17 million views per month or visitors per month on just one of the websites, I mean, the advertising revenue on that is bonkers. And yes, there's things like server costs where you have to, you know, if you're, if you're hosting all the ROMs, you have to pay for your server upkeep. You have to pay for your web domain. You have overhead, but you have overhead for something that's not yours. You know, it's, it's, it's like me saying, you know, like say I stole, and I know this is a bad example. I'm not talking about this in relation to emulators necessarily, but say like I stole a bunch of cars and then I had a warehouse to store them in so that as I was selling them, <laughs> I would be like, well, I have to sell these to make money because I have to pay for this garage. I do it. Well, that's kind of a bad argument because it's not their right to be in that business necessarily. Now, say it was a site for something else. Say it was a site for gaming forums people go on there people people do a whole bunch of um like there's activities and streaming and you can host videos and they also happen to have roms and that's what they use as a way to get donations i mean maybe you could convince me of that but i can't really feel sorry for them having overhead costs and needing money when the reason they have overhead costs is because they're attempting to get uh, they're attempting to secure ill-gotten gains as so eloquently put by the nintendo lawsuit so i don't feel like sites like this should be monetized and, and obviously they're making some good money on it and there were two different websites i don't really know why there were two but there were two and so you think about that and you think about all the money the person who had this site made it was probably a lot and uh and i, I don't know that and i'd love to talk to the the head of this place obviously now with the lawsuit i'm sure they can't more than ever but man i would love to just understand like what their thoughts were um and you have to wonder you know was this website is it someone else's side business is it maybe like just a gamer who loves emulators and roms and he set it up and, you know, maybe that's just what it was. Uh, but again, I just don't feel like it's right for them to, to make money off of it. And if you want to take donations to cover server costs, you know, I could see that. But again, you're asking for money to do something. You know, like if, if you want to host and you want to have this stuff on there, maybe you should just make it free, you know. And 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 I don't know if that would have changed anything in Nintendo's eyes. If, if there had been no money, no ads, no, you know, no PayPal donations, that sort of thing. I don't know if that would have changed them going after them for lawsuits. But, uh, um, but it could have, it could have, and, and I guess we'll never know. So there's two more things I want to talk about with this story though. And one of them is why Nintendo might be doing this besides the copyright. So I have a thought that, um, when, when I was looking at the PDF, 
there was some talk much further down here. I don't know if I'll be able to find it again. But uh, basically, you could download ROMs or there was a way to play the ROMs through the website. And so I wonder if, because there was also an, a lawsuit. Um, let's see here. Where was this one? Okay, so in... Uh, this was this was recently actually around the same time that those sites got a the you know told uh, the lawsuit filed to shut them down. There was also another uh, another sort of cease and desist that was sent to GitHub, which if you don't know what GitHub is, it's basically a repository for files and executables. So people will use that for homebrew. People will use that for anything. Like say I make a program that catalogs all my games. I'll say hey, you can download it for free on GitHub. Kind of check it out, see what you think, bug test it for me. You know, it's it's basically a repository for storing, you know, projects, I guess. Um and so a lot of the projects that are on there though are mods and they are homebrew and they are hacking their ROM hacks, their their emulators, things like that that people are working on. So Recently, around the same time that these two ROM sites had a lawsuit filed against them, uh, there was this uh, Game Boy Advance emulator that was playing games through browser-based emulators. And uh, and so the, the key there being the playing games through browser-based emulators. So I'm wondering if Nintendo is actually making a move to do something like this themselves. Maybe that's how they're going to do the virtual console in the future. Maybe they want to set up an online portal that they make advertising revenue off of because everyone goes there to play their old Nintendo games through their website. Maybe. We don't know, but that would make sense as to why they're shutting down sites that allow them to be played online. Um, there was another cease and desist. I remember there was like another site that was allowing you to play. Like there was a Chrome extension, I think, that let you play. There was like an emulator that let you play right in a browser. And um, this one, this Game Boy Advance one, is very similar to a Game Boy one that was taken down before. So it is interesting that they're kind of targeting the idea of playing the ROMs through a web-based browser. Maybe that is something that Nintendo's planning on doing. So I think that's part of it. Uh, that, that could be one. Um, and then, uh, I actually think that's the main point to be quite honest. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, obviously you want to shut down people that are hurting you and causing your business money in your eyes, but, uh, it just seems weird that it was based more on the sites that were setting up this kind of online portal. So, um, the, the total, I want to say someone added it all up for the number of games on there times all this stuff. I want to say it came close to like a hundred million dollars or something was what the lawsuit essentially comes to, which would be incredible. I highly doubt that whoever runs that site has that kind of money. Uh, but it, uh, you know, it, it is their property to do with what they wish. And it's, you could argue that it's anti-consumer. Uh, I don't necessarily think it is as long as Nintendo's making strides to make that experience available to us better like i talked about with itunes and apple and stuff like that so um but that's it so nintendo uh both the websites have come down now nintendo's dropping hard lawsuits on this uh and shutting down a uh, gba browser emulator as well so they seem to be going after browser emulators very interesting stuff but again it's nintendo they've always been very protective of their properties and you know i guess i don't really know what else to say about that except it's their right but it doesn't make them right if that makes any sense, I don't know, but, uh, it is their right. And, uh, and, um, I think as much as I love emulators and ROMs, I never looked at it as it was an okay thing to do. I just looked at it as it was a fun thing to do 
that if say they came tomorrow and said, Hey, all ROMs and emulators are illegal. You can't use them anymore. Suffer a big fine. I would stop doing it, but I wouldn't be that surprised, I guess, you know? And then lastly, uh, we wanted to talk about, uh, a, a follow-up to a story I did a few months ago. So a few months ago, I talked about, um, somebody who I didn't know at the time, but I've since actually become pretty good friends with, uh, Josh at a YouTube channel called Suggestive Gaming. Check it out if you haven't. He did this incredible, uh, God of War, like kind of retrospective where it talks about the history of the games, the history of the characters, everything was awesome. And, uh, and he did that right before the new God of War came out. He has since done a Kingdom Hearts one, which is also very good. Go check it out. But how I met him and how I found out about him was I did this story. I didn't know anything about him. Um, uh, and I didn't know that he was actually only a couple hours away in, in Milwaukee. But uh, I had I had done this story because I was on Reddit and, and the PS4 subreddit. Someone, you know, he had made a post saying, you know, this big YouTuber stole my video and I don't know what to do about it. And so you go, okay, well, let's look into it. And it wasn't something like, because a lot of times with YouTube videos, a lot of people pull information from the same sources, whether it's a Reddit thread talking about, you know, whether it's, um, you know, a Reddit thread talking about this game, or if it's uh, Wikipedia, or if it's, you know, a fan site, a fan forum talking about the game where people are breaking down the lore. Like, you don't know where all this stuff kind of comes from. And a lot of times they come from the same sources. However, um, what Game Ranks did to Josh's suggestive gaming is they straight up stole his video. So not only was the script almost identical, they took his video and cut parts of it. You can even see some of the same transitions near the end of the cuts. And it was it was crazy. It was terrible. It was it was like, how could you do this? And and it was funny because talking to Pro Jared and um, Peanut Butter Gamer, they were even saying that their stuff was getting ripped off by Game Ranks. So they weren't just doing it necessarily to crappy you know small channels not saying you're crappy josh you know what i mean um but not just doing it to small youtubers but they were doing it to big youtubers as well and you know so the 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 red the reddit thread blew up quite a bit and josh you know was fighting the good fight he was trying to spread word and game ranks came out and adamantly denied it adamantly denied it and said no that's not true we don't do that you know we get this a lot where the little guy's trying to bump off the big guys, yada, 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 and all this nonsense. And, um, <laughs> and so you're, you're like trying to comprehend, you know, you, you have proof, you know, and you show video proof and you show the whole thing. So eventually, um, and I know I'm kind of like butchering this cause it's been so many months since I, I read all about it, but then like the head guy of game ranks or whatever comes out and he says, Hey, you know, I'm, you know, everything falls under me. I, I believe that this did happen. I've talked to the editor. That person's in trouble. We will not let this happen again. You know, we are very sorry. And, and even after that, like the game ranks fans were almost attacking. Um, the, the game ranks fans were almost attacking Josh's suggestive gaming. Like it was his fault and that he should be thankful that like a large channel, you know, that like a large channel talked about his video. So what I want to bring up here, and part of the reason I'm on this on, on my own page here is because I want to bring up, um, uh, let me see if I can find, I gotta find, uh, so I did, I did my video on it. Right. And so I got to get this, but I got to pause it real quick. So I had done this and this video was back from January 9th. Okay. So this is before I was even doing video format. This was just my audio podcast. I would clip it and throw it up. 
And uh, so I did the video covering the whole thing. Um, talked to Josh a bunch. He's actually a really cool guy. Does great videos. Check out his channel, Suggestive Gaming. Uh, and so what, what we're getting to um, is that uh, this happened again. And and getting back to what I was talking about with Josh and him getting almost harassed by people. So for some reason, uh, about a month ago, I started getting a bunch of comments on YouTube videos from this video again, Game Ranks. And I was like, well, why am I getting views on this? The video at the time only had like 500 views, wasn't a big deal. And, uh, it, you know, it had a bunch of upvotes. As you can see now, it's certainly just uh, riddled with downvotes, uh, but it's up another, you know, 2,000 views or whatever. And some of the comments, I actually had to make this post um, because people started saying, uh, you know, things like, let's see, I'm just kind of, uh, people were disliking it just because they didn't see proof. See, uh, no evidence showed. No. Okay. Dislike. And I'm like, okay, well, uh, they admitted to it. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, and then this guy says game rank. So kind of, where's the evidence? I didn't see it. Y'all just hating. Congrats on 2000 subs. Uh, that's a little, you know, doesn't see stole from juice head too. Um, you know, anyway, so just, a bunch of people basically attacking me for making this video. So I actually had to make this top comment say, hey, everyone that came here from this suggested video, because I later found out that on GameRank's newest video, I was the next video in the up next category over here. So it was GameRank's plays this game. Next up, GameRank's stealing content. <laughs> so it was, you know, obviously it was all GameRank's fans going to the video and being like, what the hell is this low-level YouTube scrub making fun of the channel I love, right? And so I had to make this saying, a lot of people have been asking for proof, and I wanted to share. Here's the link to the Reddit thread that got me started looking. And I go on to say, and here's the apology from Game Ranks for doing so. And I had to legitimately make an apology. Uh, you know, I had to make a link to the apology for crying out loud because people didn't believe me. Um, so uh, both from suggesting and Peanut Butter Gamer in part of our videos. Uh, one of the editors got lazy and it slipped by. This is no excuse. We realize this is a grave mistake and completely unacceptable. The blame is not on one. It's on all of us. We're looking at our process and investigating our videos that this editor has done in the past, but the damage is already done. We genuinely apologize to the creators and viewers we pissed off and moving forward to 2018, this will not happen again. That's the whole point of this, right? And I know I'm taking a long time to get there. This will not happen again. Okay, I'm highlighting it. It's in bold on their own website. This will not happen again. Okay, except it happened again. <laughs> it happened again, everybody. So check this out. So, and, and this is a little different. I will be honest. This isn't, in my opinion, as egregious as what happened to Josh's Suggestive Gaming where they straight up stole his video. They stole his video. They rewrote They rewrote his script in, in their own words, barely changing anything, and used his own video and transitions. That's way worse. I mean, that's, that's in my opinion, copyright infringement. So... Uh, this YouTuber, O Richard, um, check him out. Uh, he's doing some Octopath Traveler videos, and he's uh, he's got some stuff on how to, you know, what the best uh, characters are, what the best videos are to get. So go check out this O Richard. Um, check him out. Subscribe to his channel. Help out a small YouTuber. And he did a video on the second best creature to capture for Octopath Travel for the Hunter is something called a Dreadwolf. So he does a video. Um, there's not really a whole lot going on in this video. He doesn't do voiceover, you know. Uh, it's it's pretty basic, you know, text and chat. He's got it sped up here so that it goes pretty quick, which I do like. And he just has a video on saying how to fight them. You know, here's what you do. Um, and then it shows a little montage of the d ridiculous damage that this creature does. I mean, this is bonkers. I, I think this is so cool. Uh, and, you know, and so on and so forth. Well, so he came on to the Switch subreddit and said, 
hey guys, someone stole my content and I don't know what to do about it. And everyone's like, oh my goodness, are we are we kidding? Are we doing this again? And unfortunately, it did end up being Game Ranks again. Um, now a little different because they did an article. So this wasn't a video, um, and you can kind of see here they have since updated the the article with. The video from O Richard, so they are giving him credit, and that's all O Richard asked for. He didn't ask for anything else. He just said, "Hey, can you credit me since it was my video that you got your information from?" And here was the editor's note that was also changed here. In response to concerns found on Reddit, I published this article with the help of colleagues and my own research while playing Octopath Traveler for 30 plus hours. But it's clear that I messed up in not properly sourcing O Richard's video. O Richard was one of the first to make this discovery and deserves attribution for helping inspire this article what the hell does that mean helping inspire this article for not linking to him i sincerely apologize we've embedded o richard's video front and center and made corrections to the bulk of the text based on your feedback this is from kevin so i don't know game ranks i don't watch them so i don't know who kevin is i don't know if he's a he's a big guy i don't know if he's a little guy but this uh which is funny because if you look back on and, and, and I'll be honest, I haven't gotten this far in Octopath yet, so I don't know. I can't speak on the validity of what he's saying. Um, but uh, here was uh, here was the... Um, he basically made a Reddit thread, and this is how GameRanks found it. This is what annoys me about them, is they troll through like Reddit, and they troll through gaming forums looking for things, and then they turn them into videos. And so... Um, you know, so this, you know, here was the video, but I want to get to the actual video. This is what I want to look at because the comments, and again, I can't speak for this stuff because I haven't, uh, I haven't, uh, played this far in the game to know the information's inaccurate. But here's what old Richard replies. Just won my case with game ranks. All I literally wanted them to do was credit me, which they didn't do. So I posted online and after they saw it, they took the appropriate actions. Thank you guys. All their information is still wrong though. <laughs> So not only, I mean, and that's what kind of led him to believe that they went off of his info is because they were saying things that were inaccurate. Um, like this guy, glad you got credited. The article is still dead wrong though, but what matters is you got credited and looking at the bright side, perhaps some additional positive exposure out of the whole thing, which everyone agrees with. Um, everyone here is really positive actually. Only seven down votes, 275 up votes. Really awesome. 8,000 views on the video. Good job, old Richard, man. Just keep plugging away. That's great. Um, people from Reddit came just to support him. But again, it goes back to this bigger issue which is why is game ranks's style to essentially rip content off the internet now is it a standard there like is this something that is so common that it's just what everybody does there is is that what this is or is this something that um game ranks would try to actively stop i, I don't i don't know i i can't i can't uh I can't comment on that, not knowing them well enough, but it seems like this is happening more and more frequently. So we know he's stolen content from Peter Butter Gamer, from Suggestive Gaming, and now from O Richard. And it's almost like they go looking for content that is lesser known because then they won't get tore up for it, you know, as silly as that sounds. And um, because people won't believe the little guy trying to take away from a, a channel that has 4 million subscribers. You know, they do this full time for a living. Like they can't do the work on their own. I mean, how frustrating, you know? Um, 
and I don't know. And, and, and being, like I said, being a, uh, we don't have many more subscribers than old Richard does, you know, but if I did a video like this and then tomorrow I saw another guy basically doing the video in the exact same format, making the exact same talking points I did, that would frustrate me because these opinions are my own. And I try to formulate these and I try to think about things and, and try to make an entertaining video for y'all. But um, so again, game ranks, they apologized, they said, sorry. And again, I don't know. I feel like it's a little bit of a half-assed apology. I feel that, um, I just feel like every time they make an apology, it's well, whatever, <laughs> like I have to apologize. So whatever. And, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. I really wish that they could, uh, figure out how to do things on their own and then just move on from it. Uh, as opposed to, you know, having to kind of steal content like this. And it reminds me of those websites that do, you know, like, like there's those websites out there, like, like Buzzfeed and stuff like that, where they're basically going onto Reddit. They find a Reddit thread of like an ask Reddit thread that says maybe like, Oh, what, you know, what are, what are awkward situations you got in with your mother-in-law? And then there'll be a, then Buzzfeed will make a, a an article on Facebook and say the top 10 most awkward moments with your mother-in-law. And then it's basically just the stories from the Reddit thread. You know, it's trash. It's trash, man. Make your own content, be original, you know? And they obviously got that popular from doing something and maybe it was doing this. And maybe that's why, you know, maybe that's why they, uh, are still doing it because that's all they know and that's their success. But, you know, I think there was a time when their videos were original and they had original content and I really wish that they, uh, would get back to that. And, um, you know, this was again, not as egregious. They didn't straight rip off someone's video, but they took information that this person compiled and then made their own article about it and didn't even like cite the video, man. Like, come on. It's a small YouTuber. Just, you could have done what they did at the end in the beginning and just said, Hey, great advice. You know, check out this article and then check out this video from old Richard to, to in video form to kind of go along with what we're talking about. That's all you got to do. That doesn't make like game ranks. Fans aren't going to like you any less because you're citing some smaller YouTuber on, on your article. I don't understand like why they feel like they have to be the originators of this content when clearly they're not. And then they're not even getting the content right. You know, so it is what it is. It's frustrating. Game ranks at it again. I hope that they uh, that they learn from this. Uh, I don't think they necessarily will. Uh, I think this is basically um, just the way that they operate. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if this has happened a million more times, and that they just haven't been caught as many times as it's happened, um, because this is clearly a pattern of behavior. All right, everyone, and that is the podcast for today. Uh, we're going to pick our game of the week to talk about um let's talk about one of my newest additions to my collection final fight cd so this is the arcade version of final fight on the sega cd this is the best home port you can get not counting the import of this uh, they made some changes in the u.s market so technically the japanese version of the sega cd so the mega cd version of final fight cd is uh, is essentially the best version um but it is a very good game so it is my favorite version of final fight except for the arcade of course because it had two-player co-op which is something that the super nintendo version of part one was was missing and it also added the third character, which was added later in a separate version of the game called Final Fight Guy on the Super Nintendo. So you get uh, all three characters. You get Guy, Cody, and Hagar. And uh, you get to play two-player, which I will admit two-player in this game is kind of sluggish. And it's kind of hard to uh, kind of hard to um, play a little slow. I'll kind of zoom in on the box here for you. Get you, 
to a little bit of the look of what it looks like. But um, this is my boxed copy. It actually took me a long time to find a copy. Late in the Sega CD's life, they went away from those jewel cases that you've seen before, and they went to these cardboard boxes, which really suck. And uh, and so a lot of these got very damaged because this was uh, at this point this was still pretty much pre PlayStation One days, and a lot of people's first CD systems didn't you know they didn't hold up very well because we were used to cartridges that we could throw around all over the place, and now we're playing with cardboard boxes and CDs and and a lot more fragile stuff um but uh very very good game it's an old arcade beat em up it's a capcom at their best um and uh which is funny i'm looking at this and i don't see their capcom logo anywhere on this box <laughs> that's really weird um sega all over this box but uh, no Capcom logo. Interesting. But anyway, it's it's really good beat-em-up. It's an arcade-style beat-em-up. You go through multiple stages. You fight a guy at the end. And then the final boss, when you beat him, he goes flying out a skyscraper window. It just kicks just kicks butt, man. It's great. Um, final Fight CD, my game of the week. Check it out uh, for my personal collection. Love it. And uh, love you guys. Appreciate, as always, for listening and watching. If you're listening to this on iTunes or on SoundCloud, please, please go like us and subscribe to us on Twitch and on uh, and follow us on Twitch and like us on Facebook. And you can subscribe to us on YouTube. That would make us very, very happy. We're getting very close to 3,000 subs uh, just over our first year here. Uh, it's been an incredible growth, man. We're so happy with it. We're so, so proud of ourselves. Uh, so I'd love it if you go. Um, you can go to YouTube and search for The Drop Rate, or you can just go to droprate.life, and that'll uh, link you to our YouTube channel. You can follow me on on Twitter at drop rate Greg and uh, yeah and, and hit me up uh, I'm gonna start doing some uh, some mailbag stuff here pretty soon um, and uh, answering questions so if you think of any questions you can always just, uh, just DM me on Twitter man and we'll we'll uh, we'll answer some for the podcast so thank you very much as always I appreciate everybody for watching or for listening on SoundCloud and iTunes everybody have a great day we'll talk to you again next time bye bye <laughs>